0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Financial Freedom Show. My name is Rob Berger. In today's video, we're going to look at how to simplify an investment portfolio. In my experience, this comes up, unfortunately, when financial advisors think they need to put someone in 10 or 20. I've seen 30 funds before, even with a relatively small portfolio. One sort of cynical theory, but although it may be true, is that advisors do that so that it looks like they're earning the fees that they're charging. I I don't know that all advisors are that way, but the thought is, you know, if they're gonna charge you 50 basis points or hundred basis points for their work and they put you in three index funds, well, it seems like anyone could do that, but if they put you in 10 or more funds, at least it looks a little more complicated. The problem is it's really hard to understand what's going on in the portfolio and so we're going to look at a portfolio sent in by a viewer named Paul. Uh, his advisor in the portfolio we're going to look at had 11 funds. It's not the worst I've seen, but the question is why 11, right? So we're going to kind of follow a three-step approach that, that I would follow if I were dealing with this portfolio uh, on my own. The first I I thing I would try to do is just simply group the funds by asset class. Here are the bond funds. Here are the U.S., uh stock funds here, the international funds. So we're gonna do that. Uh, and then I would walk through and say, okay, are there any duplicates? Are there any funds that are basically covering the same investments? And we might be able to, you know, get rid of one to simplify things. That's gonna be step two. And then the third step, once we've done that, is okay, these funds don't, there are no duplicates here, but could we take two or more funds and combine them into just one fund and and simplify our portfolio that way. Now, keep in mind, we always want to think about taxes. So, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're, you know, there could be a reason why an advisor is using, say, two funds to uh, cover the same asset class. Maybe one for a taxable account and one for a retirement account. So, there could be reasons why an advisor is doing that. So, I'm going to sort of frame some of the issues today more as questions, because you know, who knows? Maybe there's a good reason, and these might just be questions. Uh, that at least I would ask an advisor. So enough chit chat. Let's get right to it. Here is the portfolio. It looks a little complicated, but we'll walk through it. I'm using Portfolio uh, Visualizer, and um, so what I've done is I've just, like I said, step one is sort of group the the um, funds. So I've got five funds here. We'll look at we'll look at them in more detail in a minute. But b- believe it or not, I don't mean to laugh at the portfolio. That just That just seems wrong to laugh at someone's portfolio, but I don't mean it in a mean way. These five funds are bonds. So they've got, see, there we go. I'm laughing again. I don't know why you'd need five bond funds, but that's what this portfolio has, five bond funds. All right. Then we have two U.S. stock funds. We have two international uh, stock funds. And then we have these two here are emerging markets. VXUS is not in the portfolio. I'm gonna use it for another purpose we'll get to in a minute. So I've grouped them together. Now I wanna kind of go through and say, okay, do we need all of these funds? This would sort of be step two. And I'm gonna begin with these two at the bottom. So this is simply a spider portfolio emerging market ETF. And this is a dimensional, this is DFA, Dimensional Funds Advisor, emerging core uh, equity market. So these are two uh, equity or um, Uh, emerging market stock funds. And the question is, okay, why do we have these? Do we need them both? And the way I figure that uh, out uh, is to go to Morningstar. So that's what I've done. I've put both funds into Morningstar. Here's the spider emerging markets and here's the, whoops, here we go, here's the dimensional emerging markets. And at first what I do is just sort of get a high level view So here we go. For SPIDER, it's 11 basis points. It's a U.S. fund that, meaning the fund itself is U.S., but it invests, as you can see, in a diversified emerging markets. Great. And we come over to, to, to dimensional, more expensive, 35 basis points, same category, right? So now I want to take a slightly deeper dive, and for that, I'll go into portfolio. So for the SPIDER fund, I can see, yep, sure enough, it's almost all international. And it's investing you know, in, uh, on average in large companies that are a blend, uh, sort of a blend of value and growth, the blue dot there in the top center uh, square of, of the tic-tac-toe board, or what Morningstar calls a stock style box. For dimensional, come over to portfolio and we'll see pretty much the same thing. It's tilted a little bit closer to the value line. So there it's not these are not identical funds, but very similar. We can actually look at the weights and get a, a, an even more detailed look. There's dimensional and here's the spider fund. So dimensional is a little bit smaller, right? It's got a little bit more in the mid cap range, for example, and it tilts ever so slightly more to value, but not a huge difference. Um, and We can we can look at value metrics again. Here's spider. We'll just look at the PE for it for now 1169 Dimensional is eh, 1092 so that again, It's a little cheaper relative to earnings. Again, that's that slight tilt uh, towards value. Uh, In in this kind of fund, I also want to see country exposure. So here it is, this is dimensional. And here is spider. Um, Probably the biggest difference, uh, you see China, Taiwan, India. China, Taiwan, India, very similar. Probably the big difference is South Korea. The dimensional fund has 12, uh, almost 13% in South Korea. Spider Fund actually doesn't have any, so I don't know if having South Korean exposure is important to you. Maybe you'd pick Dimensional over the Spider Fund. Uh, When we look at their top 10 holdings, they're very, very similar. Uh, Again, uh, because there's South Korean exposure here, you have a uh, company like Samsung. But when you look at this list, it's very similar to the Spider list. And So this is an example of a fund where I say, I'm not sure why we have both of these in the portfolio. Just pick one. That would be my view. If I were, if I had an advisor that put together this portfolio, I would ask him or her, what's the thinking? Why do you have both of these funds? And that's particularly true when you look at the percentages. For the dimensional fund, they had 2.9% of the portfolio. What's the purpose of that? Now, I've created a second portfolio where I've simply gotten rid of, in this case, DFAAE, and taken the 2.9 and put it in, in the SPIDER fund. I didn't do this because I prefer SPIDER over Dimensional necessarily. It's just that Dimensional has very a very short track record. It was just started a little over a year ago. So there's not a lot of history there. So that's the first one. Now we basically do the same thing for each category. The next one is uh, International Equity Markets. Again, that's a Dimensional Fund and then SPIDER. Uh, developed world. And, and that seems to be the the approach that this advisor has taken. Pairing a dimensional fund with a spider fund that covers pretty much the same uh, asset class. Again, that would be a question for the advisor. And, and again, with dimensional, it's a small amount. So it's like, what's going on here? Why, what's the, the theory behind this? Maybe there's a good answer. But I would do the same thing we just walked through. Here's the spider fund. Again, it's, it's non-US equity. Basically large blend. Very good. Uh, dimensional. We'll come over to Portfolio. Again, non-US. Large blend. Very, very uh, similar. Now, one thing I'll mention is there are tools that allow you to compare ETFs. I'll show you one. Yeah, I frankly find it just easier to put these two Morningstar screens up and look at them. You can put them side by side on your computer And you can just go through like I just showed you to get a sense of how similar they are. I will show you one tool that I looked at. This is from Vanguard. Um, And you can just uh, Google uh, Vanguard uh, ETF comparison tool. And I put in these two uh, tickers that we were just looking at. And it does show you some side by side data. Uh, Most of this, though, is not helpful in figuring out which would be the better option, I don't think. Uh, There are some things you can see here. The dimensional fund doesn't have much history, so there's no way to really compare returns in any meaningful sense. When you come down here, you can get a list of their top 10 holdings. Again, you get that from Morningstar, but I guess here you see them side by side. And although they're not all in the same order, a lot of overlap, right? Here's Toyota here and Toyota there. Uh, Of course, Nestle's the top holding. Sony is in both uh, groups. AstraZeneca is in both groups and so on. Um, you can see number of stocks that they hold and market caps. And there are some differences, but boy, a lot of similarities. Um, and so this is a tool you could uh, use. This compares the sectors, again, very, very similar. This could be interesting. Again, all this data is in Morningstar, but it shows you country com- uh, uh, how much they have allocated to different countries. Again, very, very similar. So that brings me back to Boy, why is why are we using both of these funds? So, again, I've simplified it by getting rid of the dimensional fund. Again, that's not so much saying that it's not as good. Uh, I just picked it because again, in part, they've only got 1.9% allocated to it anyway. All right. Then we go to the next one. This is core market, so again, a dimensional and a, and a spider, that's, you know, that's again seems to be the approach for this fund. And we can do the same thing. Here's the Spider Fund. It's the, an S&P uh, 1500 fund, very inexpensive, three basis points. It's a U.S. fund, large blend. And here's the Dimensional, a little more expensive, but pretty, pretty cheap. Again, U.S. fund, large blend. There, there's just a lot of overlap here. And if we go to the portfolios of both of these, for the Spider, we can see right in the middle, large cap blend, Dimensional. Spot on large cap blend uh, price earnings uh, P.E. is 19 for the dimensional. It's 20 for for spider. So a little bit of difference. Uh, we can now go down we'll just drop down to the top ten holdings and you can see they're pretty much identical. You know, this is you know what you would expect in a large cap fund. Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, right? Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet. The order is a little different, but the top ten are all the same. And so again, I come back to why are we doing this? In this case, I, I combined them and put them in the dimensional fund. You could use other funds, but uh, I really don't know that there's a big difference and I'm not sure why we're using two funds that, that from what I can tell, accomplish the same thing. Again, maybe an advisor uh, would have uh, an answer. When we, now we get to the bonds and this one was really kind of confusing to me. We have an aggregate bond fund. This would be not unlike BND, which we've talked a lot about uh, before. And we have SPAB, which is also an aggregate bond fund. I mean, these really are nearly identical. I ran a test, and this is something you can do as well. You can isolate two of the funds, and that's what I've done here, and just compare them, assuming a 100% portfolio to both of these. And we get data going back to 2018, and uh, when we look at it, I mean, it's almost a mirror. I mean, there's what, four basis point difference in the compound annual growth rate. Uh, so, you know, I guess standard deviation is a little lower here, but I mean, you can see the returns. I mean, they're almost identical and even on a year by year basis, uh, pretty similar. So I, I really have no idea why we've got 6.7% in one aggregate bond fund and 1.4 in another. Again, that would be a question for the advisor. Uh, This one is a tips fund, and that's perfectly fine. My question for the advisor would be, uh, why do you have tips? Now I would have my own answer to that. I'd be curious what the advisor's answer is, but more importantly, why 2.8%. So remember, tips will do better than a a normal sort of aggregate bond fund if uh, inflation is higher than we expect. Um, say, if we're comparing it to, say, a treasury fund. Uh, if inflation ends up being lower than we expect, the, the, the treasury fund will do better. So that's why, at least for me, I like about 50% of my bonds in TIPS, 50% um, in what, what some would call nominal bonds, bonds that aren't uh, in de- or, um, uh, tied to inflation. Now, that's not the only way to handle a bond portfolio, but my question for this portfolio is, What's the thinking on 2.8% of this uh, totals up to about 20%? Why 2.8% in tips? So what's, what's, the, what's going on there? And then we have a municipal bond fund. Well, that's good in a taxable account. I assume this is a taxable account, but I don't know that. But if it is a taxable account, then why do we have the aggregate bonds in, in here? Shouldn't those either be converted to mu- municipal bond funds or Shouldn't we have the allocation for those funds in, in, in a tax-advantaged uh, account, a retirement account? Again, questions for the advisor. And then this one was curious to me. It's an a intermediate-term corporate bond fund. Remember, aggregate bond funds like these two have corporate bonds in them. We can, we can look at that, right? Here's the U.S. aggregate bond. We're at portfolio. Here we go, corporate, 25%. So why are we allocating... 2.8% just to this fund. Maybe he wants to overemphasize corporate intermediate term corporate bonds, maybe, but to 2.8%, what impact is that really gonna have on a portfolio? So what I did was combine these into three. I got rid of this, the one of the aggregate bond funds. I got rid of the intermediate term bond fund, uh, excuse me, intermediate, intermediate term corporate bond fund, and I combined them into this aggregate bond fund. I left the tips alone. I left the, the municipal bond funds alone. Honestly, those would be more questions for the advisor. And that's what I did here. And then to simplify things even further, I said, you know, do we really need to develop, this is a developed international fund and an emerging market fund, a perfectly good way to go. And I, that's basically how I've done it for many years. But can't we just combine those if we really wanna simplify things into a fund like FXUS, which is just a total international stock fund. So that was the third portfolio. So the first one is starts with 11 funds. I reduce it down to six, then I reduce it down to five. We could probably reduce it further with these bonds if we knew more, and I ran the analysis. Now, unfortunately, it only goes back to 2021 because all these dimensional funds, Uh, are brand new. So we've only got one year of data, which really isn't all that helpful. But what I did find interesting is that in one year, I mean, they're all within, you know, a few basis points uh, of each other. Uh, Actually, the 11 fund portfolio outperformed a little bit. The reason is some of those dimensional funds, even though they, they didn't account for a lot, slightly outperform the SPIDER funds. So one could say, if you like the dimensional funds, fine. Go with those funds. Why add the SPIDER funds, right? So I'm sort of agnostic at the moment between dimensional versus SPIDER. Uh, But I just picked some, you know, based on the percentages that were in the original portfolio. Standard deviations are all very similar. Of course, over time, uh, this could change. But when we look at the, the metrics for these portfolios, and let me show you where you do that, You would look at exposures and it's hard to see this because they're not side by side. This is the original portfolio, but we can look at asset allocation. There it is. Uh, And if we just drop down to the asset allocation of the second portfolio, you probably didn't notice much of a difference. (laughs) We can go back up. Yeah, it's pretty similar. And if we go to the third portfolio, it's very similar too. So I think there are good ways to potentially simplify this portfolio. And I'm going back to the top. Uh, And this is how I did it. Again, I used Morningstar to compare mutual funds. I I did use uh, and showed you this one tool from Vanguard, which you could use, I find it kind of helpful, but I probably prefer Morningstar. And I think we were able to take this 11 fund portfolio, reduce it to five and basically have the same portfolio. Again, we could stick with uh, a six fund portfolio effectively, and we could use dimensional funds up here instead of the spider funds if we want to. Uh, Again, I'm agnostic at least at the moment about the choices between those two options, but it's pretty clear to me, we could simplify this 11 uh, fund portfolio in a number of ways. Again, I'm not suggesting that Paul do this Uh, but what I really wanted to sort of stress was this is sort of the methodology that I use and how I think through it and the tools that I use to take what might be a complicated or or more complex portfolio than we need and simplify it. With the advisor, I kind of walk through the questions I would be asking. Why are you doing what you're doing? We shouldn't feel intimidated and we shouldn't take uh, answers that are somewhat dismissive. We should ask and we should ask follow-up questions you're paying the advisor this is your money and you have every right to say hey why are we doing this what's going on there may be good reasons and i'm here to hear about them why are we doing? why do we have five bond funds why do we have two emerging market funds and one answer i wouldn't accept is look i know it's a little complicated but don't worry i'm handling it i'm rebalancing you don't have to worry about it that's true but the more complicated a portfolio gets uh, the harder it is to understand exactly what's going on in that portfolio. And if it's in a taxable account, you're going to be over time, hopefully, accruing unrealized gains that sort of lock you in to this complicated portfolio. Now, in this case, I'm guessing it's a taxable portfolio because there are municipal bonds in, in that portfolio. I don't know that to be for certain. But now you're sort of over time getting handcuffed, if you will, into this 11 fund Uh, portfolio as it accrues more and more unrealized gains and you're not going to want to sell and trigger the taxes to simplify it. So these are really important questions, even if you continue to use uh, the advisor that you have. So there you go. Hope you find that helpful. Uh, That's how I would think through uh, a somewhat complicated, but by no means the most complicated portfolio I've seen advisors put together. And um, there you go. If you have any questions, leave them below the video. I'll do my best to help you out any way I can. And until next time, remember, the best thing money can buy is financial freedom.